And it is the task of every Bible student and interpreter to study the Bible sufficiently to understand the whole scope of the Bible's teaching so that you don't have contradictions. Now, that's one of the major problems for Christian scientists because they try to be Christian, they try to be scientific, but they're mystical. They say the material is an illusion. They talk about the Jesus, but who was he? What Jesus? Sometimes they'll refer to him as Jesus of Nazareth. Sometimes they'll refer to him as the son of Mary, but then they don't believe in a real body. So it's contradictory. Sometimes they'll refer to the death of Jesus, but they don't really believe in death. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher, and we're on the air again with part three on Christian science. Christian science, Christian scientism, Christian scientists, all of these who are followers of the founder, Mary Eddy Baker, that woman figure. And if you remember uh, from the extract we had from that little book, which is available to you, uh, World Religions Made Easy, that uh, Mary Eddy Baker really founded her religion on quack medicine, medicine that uh, really is very, very questionable. In fact, uh, there are great difficulties in substantiating the many claims of healing that were made. And uh, this is the whole issue that we're facing today in the religious confusion of the charismatic movement and the healing movements of today. Uh, Many ministries claiming this gift of physical healing and Uh, What does the Bible teach? What is the Christian's responsibility when we are ill? Well, uh, let me firstly say you do not go to the cult. You do not deny the gospel. You do not deny the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the reality of sin, if you have a problem in your life with your physical body. You need the truth. And that truth, of course, is in the Word of God. And today we'll be going to James chapter 5 to look at the Bible's teaching on what the Christian ought to do when we are ill, when we are facing trouble in the body, sickness, uh, suffering, what we're to do, what is the church to do, what is the gift that God has given to pastors and to elders in the church that they may be God's instrument to relieve suffering. So all of this is going to come up here today in our message, and I trust you'll stay tuned with us right through as we deal with this third part of Christian science. And at the end, I want to sum up today with the whole message of the assurance of salvation. Salvation is not a doubtful thing. It's not a questionable thing. And God gives to his born-again children absolute assurance through his word. The promises of the gospel are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And uh, I trust you'll stay tuned with us right through the program today. We're going to commence now with our hymn, Wonderful Grace of Jesus. The Whitfield Choir singing for us, and then right into Christian Science Part 3.
Another principle is based in our Westminster Confession of Faith, and that is the interpreter of Scripture is the Scripture itself. I want to read to you just this statement, section 1, verse 9. The infallible rule of interpretation of Scripture is the Scripture itself. Therefore, when there is a question about the true and full sense of any Scripture, which is not manifold but one, it must be searched and known by other places that speak more clearly. So where do you go to understand the Bible? You go to other parts of the Bible. And if there is something that is mentioned sort of in passing, it's not dealt with very deeply or thoroughly, does the Bible teach this from Genesis to Revelation? Or is this just one time only? And the general rule of thumb is that if you've only got one text for a doctrine, you don't have a foundation. Because if it's a major doctrine, you'll find it in every book of the Bible. It will be systematically, clearly revealed right through the Bible. The doctrine of sin, you'll find it in Genesis, you'll find it right through the whole Bible. The doctrine of atonement by blood, you'll find it in Genesis, right through the whole Bible. The doctrine of the Trinity, you'll find it in Genesis and Deuteronomy. You'll find it in the Gospels, in Acts, in the Epistles, in Revelation. The gospel, the doctrine of the deity or the sonship of Jesus Christ. It's in every place of the Bible. It's not just one little uh, passing place. Now, God never contradicts himself. There is no contradiction in the Bible. I know there may be difficult passages in the Bible, but God never contradicts himself, saying one thing in the Old Testament and the opposite in the New Testament. And it is the task of every Bible student and interpreter to study the Bible sufficiently to understand the whole scope of the Bible's teaching so that you don't have contradictions. Now, that's one of the major problems for Christian scientists because they try to be Christian, they try to be scientific, but they're mystical. They say the material is an illusion. They talk about the Jesus, but who was he? What Jesus? Sometimes they'll refer to him as Jesus of Nazareth. Sometimes they'll refer to him as the son of Mary, but then they don't believe in a real body. So it's contradictory. Sometimes they'll refer to the death of Jesus, but they don't really believe in death. And so it seems that every hand they turn, it's contradictory because the whole foundation is wrong. And that's why I called it a stew. Now, the sad thing is, that because they mix this up with a whole healing manner, they end up denying reality, the reality of suffering in the world. A little child may come to his mother and father and say, I've got a headache, and the mother and father in Christian science would say, oh, it's just in your mind. Well, headaches would be in your mind, wouldn't they? Or I've got a sore arm, or I've got a pain in my tummy. And they will say, oh, no, you don't need help. You don't need a doctor. And many Christian science people, they will suffer endlessly, denying. They go into denial, and they even deny death. And there are those who just seemingly vanish. There's no announcement about a death or a funeral or a gathering of a church for a memorial. Uh, they just disappear. And so 
you can understand that this becomes problematic. And one of the big issues, and I've had a a man call me a number of times and email me many, many times. He's been in Christian science, and there's a, an awful guilt, a spirit of fear, that if he was to move out of Christian science and go for medical help, I, I, I can't describe the mental bondage this person is in. It's, it's a grip of awful fear. And he sees the inconsistencies, the contradictions of Christian science. He wants out of it. But to take that step to go for medical help, there's a, a dark hand of bondage at work. Now, what should we say to people? Perhaps we can apply it this way. What should we do when it comes to medical health issues? Well, we should follow biblical principles for healing. And I'm going to turn you now to James chapter 5. And verse 13, I don't have time tonight to deal with this thoroughly as it ought to be, but I'm going to give you some very quick principles to follow as a Christian when you find that you are ill. James 5:13. is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? What are we to do? What's the first thing that we're instructed to do in the Bible? We're to call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. So it becomes a pastoral matter. And whether it's a pastor or a pastor and elder or office bearers of the church, the individual who's ill has a responsibility to seek prayer. Now, you don't wait a month miss church for a whole month, and then the pastor phones up and says, are, are you okay? I've been sick for a whole month and nobody cared about me. It's your responsibility to call for the elders of the church. Now, we're not talking about a flu here. We're talking about something serious, something that's life-changing, life-threatening. And there is this call for prayer. What else are we to do? The second thing is that I would draw your attention that these are elders, not apostles. We are not talking about supernatural healing as Paul and Peter or the Lord Jesus performed, where immediately, instantly, the lame were made to dance, the blind were made to see, or even the dead were raised to life. This is not apostolic. It's the elders of the church. The third thing is that there's a use of means. They were to take oil and anoint in the name of the Lord. Now, there's two major views on this. One is that this was symbolic. The other, that it was medicinal. Oil being symbolic of the olive oil that heals. Now, either way, you will notice that oil is used. Either way, there is a use of means. Does oil work miracles? Not always. But it does tell us that you can use God-given medications. The flower or the weed that grows the drug was created by God, just as much as the olive tree 
the knowledge that is given to physicians and pharmacists to devise medications is a God-given knowledge, and often from true science. You see, Christian scientists would taboo this and say you don't use means, you don't use doctors, nurses, hospitals, labs, tests, medication. It's all a mental thing. The Christian biblical way is the use of means. And whether it's symbolic or whether it is the real uh, application of, of uh, healing uh, medication, you can see the principle. Means is a God-given use. Number four is the power of prayer. Verse 14. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. We believe in the power of prayer. We do not believe in apostles in the church today. We do not believe in miracles, signs, and wonders in the church today. But we can pray as a church. And we can cry to God to have mercy and to heal. Fifthly, it says in verse 15, And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. The appeal to prayer is trust in God, and perhaps it is a pleading for mercy. And we know that there are times when Christians become sick because of sin. 1 Corinthians 11 tells us that concerning communion, that there are some among you that are sickly and others sleep because of their sin. And that's the first question a Christian has in times of illness. Is there something in my life I need to put right? Now the if, I want you to notice this. Verse 15, second part of the verse. If he have committed sins, do not jump to the conclusion that every time a Christian falls ill, it's due to sin. We can't say that. That is a presumptive statement. It may be. It may be. And at times it's true, but not necessarily in every case. If he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Sixthly, submit to the will of God, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Now, does this mean that everybody always gets better and the oldest person, a hundred years old, is always going to get better and never die? We know that's not true. Charismatics know that's not true. Pentecostals know that's not true. Do you know any Pentecostals that are over 110 years old? Or Charismatics? What about these faith healers? How long do they live? The average. Nothing more. We all die. The sentence of death is within the body. It pleases the Lord to give us good health. And sometimes it pleases the Lord to give us sickness. Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed three times and the Lord said no. But I'll give you the grace to bear it. And that was an answer. That was an answer. And if you call for the elders of the church in your time of illness and sickness, 
and they pray with you, and they anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord, and the Lord doesn't heal, but you get great grace and peace. You get the love of God in your soul, and victory in the sickbed, even the deathbed. Victory! That is Christian. And that's the power of God. The last thing you want to do is what Christian scientists do, and that is go into denial and say, oh, I'm not really sick. I'm not really dying. It's just mental. It's an illusion. No, Christians are realists. And when we become ill, we acknowledge it. I've got pain. I'm not functioning the way I should. Or maybe we're diagnosed with that disease, whatever it is. A Christian doesn't run away and say, well, that cannot be. I'm a Christian. I can't get sick. There's another theology that's called there's healing in the atonement. Therefore, if you have been atoned for by the death of Christ, then he is automatically your healer. You can never get sick. And Christ died for our sicknesses. And they interpret that literally and say that you can never get cancer as a Christian. You can never get Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or some other disease that is so common. Christians get sick. Paul the Apostle got sick. James ministering to the church in the early century, first century of the church, he made provision of those that got sick. Don't count it strange. We don't go into denial. And of course, for this reason, the Lord Jesus came into the world to give us eternal life. That's what the gospel's all about. The message is we're not going to live much more than 70 years. And beyond that's borrowed time. And it'll be with great trouble and trial. And so we need eternal life. And the tragedy of the Christian scientists and the cults is that when they deny the reality, they deny the gospel. And they don't give to their people the message of the cross the victory of Calvary, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus from the dead that guarantees the glorious resurrection of every believer. That's the tragedy. And so tonight, I want you to recognize that Christian scientists have no gospel. They have no message but bondage. And as that Indian lady, Ramabai, discovered... This is the very thing that was destroying many people in her country for thousands of years. An absolute denial of the gospel. And so we need to pray for Christian scientists. We need to pray that God will bring it down, deliver people from it, and bring people to the glorious truth of the gospel. What a wonderful thing we have the Bible tonight. We're not here to read the writings of someone else. It's not the Bible plus another book. And it's not the Bible scrambled so that it's a real stew. I want to know my Bible. I want, to, I want this Bible to speak to me. I want to hear God's voice in his word in a real meaningful manner. And I want to trust in that eternal life. Because this body of mine is not going to be around forever. It's going to return to dust. But Jesus said, I give to my sheep eternal life, and they will never perish. That's the gospel. That's worth standing for. That's worth rejoicing in.
You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church. We are happy to have you join with us and to hear the ministry of God's Word. Christian Science, or the religion founded by Mary Eddy Baker, is not the gospel. There is no assurance of eternal life. There is no enjoyment of the gift of God's grace to a sinner. When the Reverend John Eyre was only four years of age, his mind was powerfully acted upon by an incident, which he ever afterwards re- regarded as an element in the formation of his religious character. A friend of his family, eminently godly and benevolent, took up young Eyre one day in his arms and said to him, There is such a thing, my dear child, as the pardon of sin, and there is such a thing as knowing it too. This affectionate appeal, though it in no way remarkably adapted to the infant mind, seized on the conscience of our, and left him an abiding impression on his memory and feelings, that in the days of childhood and youth he often reflected on the words of his venerable friend, and at the early age of fourteen began to seek in prayer the blessing of forgiveness under a deep sense of his sinfulness in the sight of God. This is true Christianity, to know that we're a sinner and to know that there is mercy through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says that if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And then here's... <laughs> The important balance to this, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. 1 John 2, 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, or he is the mercy seat for our sins. And these things are written, I'm turning now to First John 5.13, these things are written that ye might know that ye have eternal life. And this is the assurance that is given to the believer on the Lord Jesus. This is the assurance that the gospel brings to those who trust the word of God, who accept the Lord Jesus Christ and the mercy that he bestows upon sinners. So if you will take your place as a sinner, you can be saved, and you can be sure of it, and you can have eternal life. Uh, This is the gospel. And that's the way of salvation that is so vital that you may know that you have eternal life and that you are born of God and brought into fellowship with God. The cults, these other false religions, they they don't have this mercy included by the gift of God through faith in a Savior. And so I do invite you to personal, put your personal trust in the Lord Jesus as your Savior 
and to ensure that you are saved, so that when you go out into eternity, you will be right with God, therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel, and I invite you to enter in. Now, we have this booklet, World Religions Made Easy. It's a little 64-page uh, booklet. It will help you in your understanding of these, the errors of these false religions and the truths of earnest, vital Christianity. And we'd love to send this to you. Just give us a call or go to our web uh, website um, or email us. We'd love to hear from you. And we're going to go now to the announcements. You'll get all the details. May the Lord bless you and save your soul. That's our earnest prayer. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one -on -one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm -hmm.